0: Coming up on Chasing the Natty, with only one to two weeks left in the regular season for College Fantasy, most of the players we can grab off of waiver wires have already been discussed at great length, and many of y'all are getting your full rosters back from bye weeks as you gear up for playoff games. Don't worry, we still have a few players to discuss regarding waiver wire pickups, but today we'll also take a chance to peek towards next season. Specifically, we're getting a head start on what we can expect to be the hardest players in college fantasy to predict the group of five. All that and more coming right after this. Rising run by the quarterback. Marvin Harrison. Junior touchdown. Marvelous mark. Pull next to the outside drop down for Franklin. on majestic touchdown. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. Alright, welcome in everyone. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. We are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus of Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday morning during the season at 6 a.m. If you want to support the great work we are doing here, head on over to campusdecanton.com and subscribe there with one of our stupendous tiers. You can find everything you need for your CFF, DEVI, CSC, IDP, and betting needs, including rankings, articles, tools, and even more than that. You can also find me and the show on Twitter, I'm at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. Guys, I cannot believe that we are in many leagues in the final week of the regular season for College Fantasy. Playoff games pretty much get started in week eleven, for a lot of leagues, especially bigger leagues, um, I know in one one of the dynasty leagues in uh, Nate's uh, dynasty league, he kicked off this summer. We got playoff games this week because we got twelve people in the playoffs, so like we, we got to get started early here. And I, I I was not ready for that. I was I'll be real. I'm, I'm still in regular season mode over here, so do or die time really for all, for a lot of us in these leagues. But to help us out with all of that, again, you guys know what we are doing here. We'll talk about some players today that are available. On less than 30% of rosters. They're available in 30% of leagues, excuse me, or less. And we'll help you guys kind of fill in some of those holes in your roster that might be popping up over the next couple of weeks. Again, we're through most of the bye week hell. A lot of you guys are kind of getting back your teams that you were really kind of maybe kicking butt with earlier in the season. You got all of your guys back. Hopefully, a lot of them are healthy. But in case they aren't or they just have a bad matchup in the next couple of weeks, I know um, I'm a little hesitant to play my cody schrader shares this week against my georgia bulldogs i'm still trying to figure out how i'm going to walk that line and everything maybe i go and look for some guys on the waiver wire and we can definitely talk about that today but we're also going to have we're we're not going to go the full thing we're not going to go um full depth today i got um three quarterbacks three running backs and three wide receivers because again you guys know most of the names a lot of the names i've been talking about over the last couple of weeks are still pretty widely available in a lot of leagues and quite frankly i don't want to bore you guys to death by just kind of bringing up the same people over and over and over again because that's going to bore me and that's especially going to bore you guys at that point so we'll we'll bring up some new names there kind of focus on those guys if you want some additional names go check out the last couple of weeks of waiver wires again a lot of those guys again just some names off the top of my head like Joey Aguilar uh, Jordan McLeod, um, a lot of those guys, um, Cameron Edwards for UConn, who's going to have some great playoff matchups coming up and everything. Like a lot of those guys are still super widely available. Go check out the videos from, and uh podcast for those and everything like that. Again, we'll focus on some new names here. And then because of that, because I'm not bringing up a ton of new names and everything, I wanted to kind of bring in a little bit of additional content. Again, we're getting towards the end of the season, a lot of you are getting ready for playoff games, but a lot of you maybe are in like keeper leagues or in your dynasty leagues. And you want to go ahead and know like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm out of the playoffs. Like I, I, it just wasn't my year. Maybe you just had some bad luck on some matchups. You had a good team, but you know, you just kind of lost too many, lost too many games. It happens. You want to go ahead and get ready for next year. Who are some guys that you could be picking up pretty much for free right now in a lot of free agency bids and everything like that. Well, I got a ton of names for you guys there that we will definitely run through. Over there, in terms of you know what happened this past week and everything with college football, I actually didn't get to catch a ton. I caught the noon games and probably uh, the first part of the afternoon games. I uh, caught that Oklahoma-Kansas game. Uh, Georgia, uh, Florida, obviously had a great time with that one. <laughs> except for the first, literally except for the first drive, that that game was pretty much perfect for Georgia for the most part. A couple of fun under the radar games I was able to catch: uh, West Virginia versus UCF. I, I initially. Uh, started watching Kansas State versus Houston, but that became a blowout really, really quickly. And then I saw West Virginia-UCF was a lot more interesting. So I tuned into that one for a little bit. And then when I was out picking up catering for a party, um, I had on the radio Tulane versus Rice. And that w- that was a fun g- game to kind of finish up at the very end because that w- I believe I caught it right during the final kind of death march that Tulane had to seal away that game. And it was kind of actually really interesting to, to kind of Watch, or not watch, obviously, I'm, I'm driving when I was listening to this game, but to kind of listen and kind of hear the tension kind of building up every time Tulane was put in a third down conversion, it was really, really good, um, really, really good stuff and everything. But again, I couldn't catch most of the night games, unfortunately, I still need to go back and watch a good chunk of those. Uh, again, I was hosting a, a Halloween party at my place, which was fantastic and fun. It also explains why my face is naked at the moment. For those of you watching on YouTube, probably wondering why um, I'm a little less fuzzy today um but you know that's just how it was again it was a great time lots of stuff um again still still got plenty of research to really catch up on from this weekend but but we still got plenty to talk about here and we'll go ahead and get started with the thing that you guys always want to hear about you guys, and again this is something I've heard from our surveys which I'll talk about that in a second is that you guys seem to actually really like this um this uh waiver wire trap segment where I talk about some of these guys who are you know uh, under thirty percent, they had really big weeks, and I'm telling you guys, don't don't go after them. And so I guess we, this is this is something that's going to stay year in and year out. I'm really glad that you guys enjoyed this segment. Um, definitely something that's here to say. And if you want to continue to let me know what you think about the show, again, go check out the at Chasing the Natty account on Twitter. There's a pin tweet there that has a quick five minutes or less survey. Just let me know what you think about the show, what you like, what you don't like. It's helped out a ton. I've been really kind of digging through that. And part of those suggestions is why I am going ahead and talking about a little bit of dynasty here today. Because some of you have talked about like, hey, when I am, you know, in a dynasty league and I'm not or a keeper league and I'm, you know, out of it, there's no point in me really paying attention to like, you know, redraft waivers and everything. Who are some guys I could be picking up and getting ready for next year? So we'll talk about those guys. But first, we'll go through the redraft stuff, and let's go ahead and talk about some of these waiver wire traps. We'll start with the QB1 and QB3 from this past week, which is not very often that literally the guys at the very top are the guys I'm warding you off from, but that's kind of what's happening here. Again, first one here, Ashton Daniels, the quarterback of Stanford, went up against Washington this past week and just had a phenomenal, phenomenal game there. Again, over 350 passing yards. Over 80 yards on the ground, two touchdowns on the ground. Dude was just absolutely on fire against Washington. I'm not sure what was going on with the Huskies. They were giving up a lot more than they usually do. I'm not, yeah, that, that, that was a bad call on my part with the streaming DSTs last week. I thought Washington would be able to handle the Cardinal just a little bit more. Clearly not. We had the, they had the QB1 overall. Anyway, why am I wa- warding you off from this? I don't love Stanford's schedule up and coming. They got Washington State, they got Oregon State, and they got um I forget who the last one is, but it's another it's another one that I'm not a huge fan of moving forward. I if I can look down here, I might be able to find it real quick cuz I will talk about. Um oh, they have Cal at the end of the year. That that's a fine that's a fine matchup at the end of the year, but even so over the next couple of weeks, I don't love Stanford, their offense has been super up and down. Again, it shows flashes about like they will be great next year. I think that Stanford's offense, once they have another offseason under their belt to um to kind of put things together here with Ashton Daniels being the clear QB1 moving forward for them, I think he's going to be great next year. I am not super invested in making sure that I have him this year and I'm planning on starting him in any game moving forward here. Just look at the last couple of weeks again against Oregon. Obviously that was a, that was a big old mess there, but even against Arizona, only six points there, Colorado, 35 points. Everybody does well against Colorado against UCLA, 13 points. And then they go right. They go bouncing back to him having an incredible game here. That's not something I want to rely on over the next couple of weeks when it comes to do or die time to make it into the playoffs. Make, like getting further into the playoffs. Not worried about it. And same thing with Fernando Mendoza. Like stop me if you've heard this one before. A mediocre quarterback goes off against an Alice Grinch. Okay you guys. Okay, okay guys that's enough. That's enough. You, don't, you guys don't have to tell me to stop all at once. Again the point is like this is. He had an incredible week this past week against a USC defense here. Otherwise he's been pretty mid. Against again, I'll be at some better defenses there with Utah and Oregon State. But let me see if I can find their schedule real quick. Again, it's not going to get any easier for Cal. Again, I just mentioned um, they, they play Stanford at the end of the year, which is you know fine, but at the same time, like looking at their schedule, I thought I had it up here. Yeah, they got Oregon, they got Washington, and then they finished the year championship week with UCLA, who has had a top 10 defense throughout the entire year. Um, again, it's another thing where I think, could he go off in some of those playoff weeks? Could you roll the dice on him? Probably, but like he's not a guy that you're going to want to grab off of uh, waiver wires there. What about some of these other guys? DiCarlo Brooks, the running back out of Arizona State, went off this weekend versus Washington State for 26.9 fantasy points. Three touchdowns on just 11 carries. You guys know the drill. That's just the kind of thing that screams to me don't do it. Don't do it again. Carlos Brooks—he's—he's definitely—he's for sure been injured. Don't get me wrong. Clearly, him coming back and them getting him ten to thirteen touches per week since he came back clearly means they had a role for him. He's completely neutered. Uh, Cameron Scat excuse me, Cameron Scadabo's fantasy value right now, and I think it's just going to be a mess between those two moving forward there. I am certainly not going to go grab a guy that's getting only 10 to 13 touches and expecting him to start over the next couple of weeks there. Not doing it. Next one here, uh, Kamar Wheaton, the running back at SMU, had himself a really nice weekend this past weekend. Nine carries for 80 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Had himself a long, nearly 50-yard touchdown there. But if you go and look at the box score for SMU, it's clear as day why this is not something you want to invest in. They've been having a split backfield all year long, and they basically abused the hell out of poor Tulsa this past week. Sixty-nine points from their offense, and they they basically were trying to make sure that everybody who touched the ball in the run game got a touchdown throughout throughout the day. If it, like at one point, literally the only people who touched the ball that didn't have a touchdown was L.J. Johnson and Kevin Jennings, and that was like through three quarters of the game there. Like, it was absolutely insane. And Kamar Wheaton just happened to be the one dude that scored two touchdowns that day. SMU's offenses looked really good. Do, get, do not get me wrong. I think that they are definitely an offense that has improved a ton over the last couple of weeks. But, again, I'm not investing in a guy that's in a clear, full RB um, RB committee here. Not doing it. Last but not least, Christian Horn. This is a guy I liked coming into the season, and clearly I had I, I did for good reason because he's had some really, really big weeks over the last couple of months here against UL Monroe. Again, 27.4 fantasy points there. And then he kind of busts for two weeks there, only 13 yards versus Coastal Carolina, 60 yards, no touchdowns versus Old Dominion. And then this past week against Southern Miss, which is, as we know, an absolutely horrendous defense there. Eight receptions. 165 yards, two touchdowns. He just has these massive blow up weeks. He is fantastic for all the best balls that I drafted him in and as well the best ball uh, dynasty league that I'm in. In terms of redraft, I'm not touching a guy that can go from any who can literally go 11 yards one week to 124 yards the next week to 13 yards the next week. I'm not doing it. That's just me. I, I wouldn't go after him in a regular redraft league. All right. Now that I've warded off of you, boarded you guys off of those guys, let's go talk about some of those guys that you could be going after. Again, I kind of stated at the top, most of the guys that I would like truly, truly endorse have already been discussed. So some of the guys I'm going to talk about here mostly might seem like a little bit of stretches in terms of trying to find value out of them. Again, maybe a little bit deeper leagues is where some of these guys kind of um, belong in here. I once again highly highly suggest that you guys go back and check the waiver wire episodes from the past like I would say probably three weeks go just check through those lists again make sure that those guys haven't been picked up already in your leagues before probably grabbing any of these guys especially a quarterback I definitely think there's some better quarterbacks on the waiver wire that I've already discussed in the past but let's go talk about some of the guys that are new here and we can get started with Mr. Jarrett guest the quarterback out of Coastal Carolina taking over for one Grayson McCall. It is a one-game sample size, but it is enough to tell me that, you know, there is legit value here. This past week, 20 uh, passing attempts, 14 completions, 120—or excuse me, not 100— 289 passing yards, three touchdowns, a little bit of value there on the ground, three rushing attempts for 36 yards, so he can move when he needs to there. Again, 20, 20 passing attempts is not something I want to write home about. That is obviously a little bit of a yellow flag for me there, but but Marshall, at least until the last couple of weeks, had themselves a pretty decent passing defense, and you know guess was able to find a lot of success against them and it's quite frankly it's only going to get a little easier from here on out Of uh, this upcoming week you got going you got them going up against old dominion here 115th versus the pass 46 versus the rush coastal's going to need to throw on old dominion in order to win that game then after that you got texas state they're 109th versus the pass so you got another bottom 30 passing defense that they that um guess is going up against again all 100% dependent on the fact that Grayson McCall continues to be out. Obviously, if McCall comes back, guess value goes out the window. I feel like that just doesn't really need to be said. And then after Texas State, they got Army, who's 24th versus the pass, but they're 125th versus the rush. As, as, as I kind of mentioned there, Guess can run. So maybe that's the game we kind of see him blow up with his legs a little bit. Again, I'm not entirely sure. Like I said, most of the quarterbacks you already have on your roster or they've already been talked about. So if this sounds like I'm stretching a little bit, I totally understand. It's probably because I am a little bit. Let's go ahead and talk about another quarterback here. Let's go talk about Mr. Zion Webb, the Jacksonville State quarterback rostered on 4% of leagues here. I talked about Logan Smothers several weeks ago, how this Jacksonville State offense clearly has a type at quarterback. They love dual threat guys who are struggle who struggle big time in the passing game, and Zion Webb one hundred percent fits that bill, started the year for the game Cox is now was benched came, came back after smothers um, was in trouble there for a bit, got injured against liberty, came back versus western Kentucky, and is just it's been great performances for him in the three out of the last four weeks again, except for that game against Liberty where he got hurt. He has been hitting basically thirty fantasy points every single game, over hundred rushing yards in three out of the last four games, a touchdown on the ground in three out of the last four games. He is just been, or he has just been, that dude for the Gamecocks over the last couple of weeks. Now, let me be very clear about something, Webb. If you grab him, this is not, and I repeat, is not a play for this week. He plays South Carolina this week. A little cock on cock action there. Like, that's not a matchup that you would ever place one of your G5 quarterbacks up against. Like, you just don't typically put them up against Power Five competition unless you know that it's a terrible, terrible defense. And while South Carolina has a terrible defense, don't get me wrong, even G, again, G5 guys, I'm not throwing up against a Power Five defense regardless. And then they have a bye week 11. So if you invest in Zion Webb now, you are basically investing him for one reason and one reason only. You are looking at those last two games of the season. You are looking at them facing off against Louisiana Tech, who's tenth versus the pass, but that doesn't matter because Webb runs, and Louisiana Tech is 124th versus the rush. They are a bottom 10 defense against the rush. That's going to be a juicy, juicy matchup right there. And then they go to at New Mexico State, a bit of a bit of a far um, excuse me, bit of a far travel there. Obviously, New Mexico State. 85th versus pass, 55th versus the rush, pretty even. I would say that whatever you normally expect out of Webb, you can pretty much expect him to do in that game for the most part, which, given the last couple of weeks, that's about 30 fantasy points. That is a beautiful, beautiful matchup right there to end the season. But again, that's just kind of the main caveat you have to know if you're going to go after Webb He is mainly there for if you're like a guy who has like Caleb Williams where you're not going to get Caleb Williams in week 13 or maybe you have a matchup in the last couple weeks. Maybe you got Haynes King. Hey, this is a good example. Haynes King is a top, I think he's a top five quarterback in college fantasy right now. He plays Georgia to finish the season. Now, While Georgia's defense is not as great as it has been, that's not a matchup that you love having right there at the end of the season or another thing is like J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy, he's had himself a pretty decent year so far. You're not playing him against Ohio State's defense more than likely uh, or even like um yeah, amount of examples. But you guys know the point. Webb would be a good option to kind of pick up in those final weeks and maybe plug in um whenever your guy has an unfortunate unfortunate rivalry week matchup. I was tripping over my words so hard there, so y'all forgive me there. Let's go talk about another quarterback here. Last one here. This is a big old stretch, I'll admit. But Blake Murphy at UM Monroe, rostered on 1% of rosters. He's been, he's having himself a pretty, um, he's having himself a pretty solid uh, last couple of weeks here. Again, the main thing is that he just hasn't really scored the touchdowns you would want to see out of a CFF quarterback. But his production is pretty solid. Again, 33 passing attempts versus Georgia Southern, 44 versus Arkansas State, 300 plus passing yards in both of those games. Oh, he's kind of been up and down in terms of what he's been able to do uh, in terms of the Russian department. Again, negative yardage versus Georgia Southern, positive yardage, yardage versus Arkansas State. Here's the juicy, juicy thing. This week, if you're somebody who is really needing to have that really epic week to kind of finish things off, get yourself into the playoffs, Murphy goes up against Georgia, not Georgia, uh, Southern Mississippi who is 123rd versus the pass and versus the rush. If Murphy is able to take advantage of this, he could easily, easily be a top 15, top 10 quarterback for this week. We've seen a ton of great performances against that Golden Eagles defense right there. This comes right at the perfect time. Murphy's been on fire. Like I said, he hasn't gotten the touchdowns, but a a Southern Miss defense that has been giving up explosive play after explosive play right there, I think this might be end up being Murphy's best week, and that puts you right around easily 25 to 35 fantasy points, somewhere in that range this weekend. Here's the problem with Murphy, though. He's the opposite of Zion Webb. Where Zion Webb, you're kind of waiting to get the value. Murphy's like, you got to get the value now, because his matchups over the next couple of weeks, Troy in week 11, and Ole Miss in week 12, which I don't know why Ole Miss has that matchup this late in the season, but, you know sec schedules be weird sometimes murphy does finish the season facing off against louisiana but i just don't know what we're going to get out of murphy by that point so he could end up busting by that point and you're feeling really queasy about starting him versus the raging Cajuns. there i just know this weekend against southern miss that should be a pretty good matchup for you all right enough about quarterbacks let's go talk about some running backs here this is these guys i'm a little bit more excited about i'll be real this is probably the strongest group i say we have today in terms of what we have actually looking at the wide receivers we got a pretty strong group there these guys are not nearly as much of a stretch as some of the quarterbacks i'll admit the quarterback group is rough like i said please go listen to some of the previous episodes for some of the other guys you could be looking at there um We'll start here with Mr. Jordan Newbin, the running back out of Minnesota, rostered on 0% of rosters. Where the hell did this guy come from? Like, being real, where where did he come from? Minnesota's just running out of running backs at this point. And I think they just have a cloning factory in the back where they just kind of keep pumping out dudes that kind of look like Muhammad Abraham because that's what they need in order to get this offense going. They are down Darius Taylor. They're down Zach Evans as well. Sean Tyler has been what I said he was going to be and that is just disappointing all around to the point where they had to go a guy go to a guy like Newbin to get anything out they gave this guy 40 carries for 204 yards and two touchdowns this past week the full Muhammad Ibrahim experience and as long as Taylor and Evans are out Newbin is looking like your guy that's kind of the main caveat here though like you gotta if you're gonna go and grab Newbin this week you have to have to be paying attention to that Minnesota running back situation Thankfully, they're in the Big Ten, so you will be getting those injury reports one hour before the game starts. Usually Minnesota plays around that kind of noon. Noom. Uh, never mind, they don't play at noon this weekend. They play at 3.30. So again, around that 2.30 time, start looking on Twitter. Start looking for those injury reports um, that the Big Ten puts out for each of their teams. Minnesota's been very good about being very clear about whether their guys are in or out. They're not usually much about the whole, oh, it's questionable whether he'll play no they they're usually good about in or out that's it and so we'll definitely see but for now like this is a guy where as long as taylor and evans are out if you're especially if you're shocking at running back you can't afford to let somebody else take the shot on this guy this is if, if he if you grab him and let's say darius evans and or or darius taylor and zach evans come back this week yeah, it's going to suck a little bit, but at the same time, like you're going to be happy knowing that you at least took the shot on it, and you had control over that situation rather than you let somebody else grab a guy like Newbin, and suddenly Darius T- Taylor and Evans are out, and suddenly you have Newbin who just got 40 carries last week, going up against an Illinois rushing defense that is 80 for, 85th in the country. That's going to make me feel bad. So I would definitely take a shot on Newbin, Even if it doesn't work out, like Evans and Taylor come back pretty quickly, I would be okay with trying to play my hand there. Let's go look at another guy here. John Gentry, the running back out of Sam Houston. The first of two guys I have here today that I have to eat a little bit of crow on because for as much as you guys love the... Waiver wire trap segment. I've definitely had my fair share of guys that I've told you to, I've, I've told you guys to stay away from, and turns out they end up being pretty good CFF assets. And Gentry is no exception here. He had himself in an excellent game against Jacksonville State a couple of weeks ago, at the end of September. Twenty five point seven fantasy points there, thirty carries in that game. Followed it up with a four carry game versus Liberty, but that was a game that won. Tim Houston had to pass a ton, and then two, I believe Gentry actually got hurt in that game, so they kind of held him off there. He comes back versus uh, Florida International, 18 touches, 11 on the ground, 7 through the air, gets himself 10 fantasy points. They're like, okay, that's fine. Then this past week, he's fully healthy, they're getting him involved, 16 touches on the ground, three receptions, um, right at about 95 total yards, and two touchdowns. They're going to get him involved even more moving forward, especially, especially when you look at this schedule. Holy crap. Sam Houston picked the right time to get some of their guys healthy and to get this offense rolling over the next couple of weeks. This upcoming weekend, they got Kennesaw State, who is a team I actually follow in the FBS or excuse me, in the FBS, in the FCS, because, you know, I lived relatively close to there. I had a lot of friends go to school there and they're bad. They're bad, bad this year. They lost their offensive coordinator to Army. They still have not figured out their identity on offense. And just a sneak preview here. Uh, I will be listing Sam Houston as one of the teams to uh, play their defense this week. Because I've, uh, that's how strong I am in terms of Sam Houston should beat this team pretty handedly. Gentry should have himself a day. And in the last two weeks, Louisiana Tech, Western Kentucky. 124th versus Rush, 131st versus Rush. Awful. Awful versus the rush. Both of those teams, bottom 10, both of them. If Gentry is going to continue to get 18 to 19 touches in both of those games, he should be in for a phenomenal, phenomenal finish to the year. And quite frankly, with him only being rostered on 1% of leagues right now, I wouldn't want to to let one of your uh, rivals who's uh, going into the playoffs pick this guy up before you do. Just saying. All right, another running back here. Last running back we'll be discussing in-depth for waiver Wire pickups today. Tyree Walker, the running back out of Oklahoma. Been talking to Nate Marquise about this guy the last couple of weeks and then just the whole running back room situation at Oklahoma. And he has been frustrated that this staff just will not commit to this guy uh, because he's a former walk-on, because they got guys like Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes who have vastly, vastly disappointed this year. Walker just has looked like the better guy out there for the Sooners and they really found that out this past week when things just weren't getting going against Kansas when Kansas was being a super physical football team who did they have to turn to Walker the walk-on who excuse me the walk-on who could shed physical tackles could gain those extra yards after contact They realize this is the dude we have to go after. He's had himself a nice little last couple of weeks. Against Texas, 15 rushing attempts, 46 yards, two touchdowns there. This past week, 23 rushing attempts, 146 yards, and a touchdown to boot there. I have a feeling that he is going to be a major part of the Oklahoma offense moving forward. They realize they have to get this guy involved. Otherwise, they're going to fall behind like they did against Kansas, and it's just not going to be fun for them. They got themselves a really good stretch over the next couple of games here. Oklahoma State, 102nd versus the rush. West Virginia, 94th versus the rush. BYU, 90th versus the rush. Again, if Walker gets these 20 touches in a game right here, that's going to be what you want to see in the stretch right here towards playoff and into playoffs right there. Got to love what you see. Here to finish the year with Toby Walker. And again, we've seen what Levy running backs look like when they do kind of settle in on one guy. We saw what Eric Gray looked like. Walker could be in for a really, really nice finish um to finish off the year. Yeah, that's that's the sentence. Anyway, that's enough about running backs. Let's go talk about wide receivers. And, yep, here's the dude I got to eat some crow on. Alec IO the wide receiver out of Stanford, rostered on 30% of rosters. So, less or 30% or less. That is my threshold. So, I could still throw this guy out there and eat my crow on camera for this guy. I mentioned his performance against Colorado a couple weeks ago was outstanding, obviously. And I didn't think he was going to be able to keep it up. I didn't think the Stanford offense was going to be able to keep up with it after that point. Whether the Stanford offense is well or not, I.O. Manor is getting involved every single week. Following the 18 targets he got against Colorado, 13 targets versus UCLA, 12 targets versus Washington this past week, 90 plus yards in both of those games, the touchdown versus Washington. Dude is clearly, clearly a guy that is going to be involved for Stanford for the foreseeable future here. And again, I wasn't big on Ashton Daniels. To start the show. And you might be wondering like then why are you big on his wide receiver here? This makes no sense here Jared. Quarterback is too important of a position to really kind of roll the dice on. Especially during playoff weeks and everything like that. I am more okay with rolling on the dice a wide receiver. Even if he's in an offense who's having a bad day. Who's getting themselves 10, 12, 13 targets. That's just a lot of opportunity that a lot of other guys I could throw out there. Are not going to be afforded and again even if the offense is having a bad day a guy like io Manor, who has shown that he is an explosive playmaker what he needs to be i mean he he has longs of 97 yards 53 yards versus washington this past week that's a dude that no matter how many times he touched the ball he could score on any given one of them that's a dude i'm willing to roll the dice on he's got some nice matchups over the next couple of weeks washington state their bottom 10 versus the pass Oregon State's right there around the middle, a little below average versus the past. Cal is a bottom 30 defense versus the past. Again, I'm a little skeptical on Daniels in terms of like how much can Stanford actually score there. But I am a I think he'll be able to find the success. He has shown that he is a very talented individual. Cannot wait to see what he looks like next year, especially with the Cardinal once they get that season, or that offseason to really kind of hammer in that offense. Another wide receiver here, Jamal. Pritchett, the wide receiver out of South Alabama, rostered on 1% of leagues. Talked about earlier this season. Devin Voison was that guy that we were kind of expecting to become that next Jalen Tolbert for South Alabama. Not only did he have a very disappointing start of the season, but he then got injured towards ACL. He's done for the year. And I haven't really confirmed whether or not he'll be able to come back next year based on a medical redshirt or anything like that. We'll definitely see. We turn to Colin Lacey. He has been great. He, his production has been phenomenal over the last couple of weeks, but quietly, quietly, Jamal Pritchett has really stepped up out there on the outside, which is where you typically see, um, where where you typically see the fantasy producers for this Womack offense there in South Alabama. Lacy's kind of been the anomaly this year where he's done well out of the slot. But if you kind of notice, like if you've been playing Lacy the last couple of weeks, he just hasn't really been finding the touchdowns. Again, when they go to the outside, that's where they kind of find success with the touchdowns. And Pritchett has been the beneficiary of that recently. Against... Against UL Lafayette this past weekend, 17 targets, 11 receptions, two touchdowns with 168 yards to go along with it. I believe he was a top three wide receiver from this past week. I'd have to see the uh, what the ticker tape says there at the bottom when it comes around to him. Regardless, his volume has been very consistent the last couple weeks. Again, six, nine, six, six, 17 targets. If he is that guy moving forward on the outside for South Alabama, that is always, always been a fantasy option for people to take a look at there he has himself a very up and down schedule over the next couple weeks against Troy uh obviously I wouldn't play him against Troy this upcoming weekend but then once you get into these first kind of playoff weeks you got Arkansas State then you got yourself Marshall Arkansas State's 118th versus the pass Marshall the stats say they're 34th versus the pass which is a hundred, which is uh, two hundred and four point six passing yards allowed per game. But if you look at their last three games, they've been allowing two hundred sixty three yards per game, and that is ninety fifth amongst all teams over the last over all of their last three games. The Marshall's secondary has certainly taken a step back here, and I think that Pritchett is a guy that if he can build on what he was able to do last week, absolutely should be in for another big week against Arkansas State and Marshall. Again, wouldn't trust anybody against that Troy defense. We'll see how that goes. All right, last wide receiver here. This one's kind of, really, I'm kind of surprised nobody's really talking about him. But, you know, he's rostered on 17% of rosters. So clearly, some people have already been out there grabbing him, putting him on their roster. But Monterey Baldwin, the wide receiver out of Baylor, this past week against Iowa State, 11 targets, six receptions, 117 yards, and a touchdown there to go. This dude has quietly been super, super productive for the Bears. Again, like the Bears have certainly been had, had a very, very up-and-down year. Um, lots of close games against Big 12 competition. And Baldwin has, at many points, been the get-out-of-jail-free option for this Baylor offense. He ha- is got to be one of the most explosive wide receivers in the country. Just looking at what he's been able to do over the last couple of weeks, 27 yards per reception against Texas. versus UCF, 25.2 versus Texas Tech, 19.5 yards per reception versus Iowa State. He's a beautiful, beautiful deep threat option, and he has the volume to go along with it. Again, seven receptions against Texas and UCF, eight receptions versus Texas Tech, 10 receptions and 11 receptions versus Cincinnati and Iowa State. His target share has just been going up and up and up. Clearly, Blake Shapen has found himself something here. And the schedule is wonderful to end the year here. Houston this week, 100th versus the pass. Kansas State, 70th versus the pass. I'm a little bit more hesitant there. Kansas State's really seemed to have found something over the last couple of weeks. They've shut down some, um, I don't want to say decent offenses, but like when you have a mediocre quarterback, they seem to be able to shut you down, which that's what Blake Shapen is, so I'm a little worried there. But then you got TCU there, almost to finish the season there. They're 75th versus the pass. I think Baldwin can find success in every single one of those games if he's able to find success against the likes of Texas, against Iowa State, who has a pretty solid defense there. So I'm I'm willing to bet on Baldwin over the next couple of weeks if you're looking for some help at wide receiver. All right. That's it for waiver wire picks this week because I'm not doing tight ends this week. I Again, all, sorry for you tight end enthusiasts out there. If I'm being honest, y'all, I could give you names, but with the way tight ends have been this year, with there just being no clear top tier of guys, we're so late in the season. Anybody that we know would have themselves a, like good games over the next couple of weeks are already on rosters. And the guys that are left over, you guys could give me names and they would probably be just as good as the names that I would be giving you. So go find your favorites, kind of find... like. Find some tight ends that might speak to you over the next couple of weeks if you're still looking for your tight end. I just don't think that I can give you names that are going to really be that much better than what you can find on your own. Sorry if that disappoints anybody out there, but we already kind of have a longer show planned here today, so some things had to be cut. Um, One thing that did not have to be cut, though, is our streaming defensive options for this week. Yes, we're still going to talk about this because, again, we got some pretty, pretty spicy matchups this upcoming weekend, t- terrible week for me last week in terms of the DSTs that I gave you guys. I am so sorry if you did go and grab any of those guys. The highest we got was Minnesota versus Michigan State. That was the DST 23 last week. Otherwise, we had Ford Atlantic, which is 26. You had Troy, which is 30. Auburn, which is 35. So this very like very mediocre defenses all around. And then freaking Washington, man. Man, what a whiff I had on that one. Don't Again, I thought I could pick on that Stanford offense a little bit like that and didn't work out at all. That was the 88th uh, defense on the week. Oof, not making that mistake again. Uh, let's make a whole bunch of new mistakes here. Let's go talk about the new uh, DSTs that I will give you guys for this week. We'll start with Duke versus Wake Forest. This mostly has to do with the fact that Duke's defense, regardless of any of the issues they have on offense without... Riley Leonard at the helm. Their defense has come through for them time and time again. They held a pretty solid Louisville team to just 23 points this past week. They were doing really, really well against Florida State until that dam kind of broke after Riley Leonard went down. I think going up against a Wake Forest offense this week that is struggling with or without Mitch Griffiths. I think that there's a pretty decent shot that Duke can hold Wake Forest down there. I believe Wake Forest has not scored more than 20 fantasy points once in the last five weeks. I'd have to double check that, but I, that's a stat that I remember off the top of my head. Um again, Duke's just a good enough defense where they should be able to handle uh Wake Forest, kind of force them into the mistakes that they have been over the last couple of weeks. Um yes, that yes. Um Wake Forest has only scored 21 points once in the last five weeks. Otherwise, they've been held under 20 points. Duke should be able to keep that streak going right there. I have no doubt about it. Next one up here, we got Navy versus Temple. Very similar to the SMU pick a couple weeks ago. This has everything to do with if EJ Warner is out, I feel pretty strong about Navy being able to kind of hold down Temple there. That offense is just a mess with the quarterbacks that they've been putting out there for um, the Owls recently. Navy, a triple option team. They're going to control the clock as much as they can, limit possessions. I'm willing to bet on them this week. Another one here, Florida going up against Arkansas. Arkansas. is in real quit watch mode, which for those of you don't know what I mean, it's like you get to the end of the season. There are certain teams that just kind of quit on their coaches, like offenses that, especially if they lose their offensive coordinator, they're trying to bring a new guy in. Things just don't work out. Florida's got themselves a pretty decent defense over there. I think that they'll be able to handle KJ Jefferson in that dysfunctional offense pretty well this weekend, especially with them playing in the Swamp, I believe. No problem there. Um, I mentioned this before. Sam Houston going up against Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State's offense is an absolute mess. Sam Houston, before their most recent stretch, had themselves a lot of good shutdown games. I think they get back to what they were doing to start the season here against Kennesaw State and the poor Owls there. They should have themselves... A really good DST weekend there. And then last but not least, Northwestern versus Iowa. For those of you who don't know, this this under in this game currently holds the record for the lowest under of all time here at 29.5. If that holds, that's just a game you want to target. Iowa's defense is probably owned by somebody, but you can go and grab Northwestern's defense, who is pretty solid at times. And... Put it up against this atrocious Iowa offense right now pick on them once again and let's just go let's just go with it. all right last but not least we are going to take a deep dive into some dynasty talk you guys have this is one of the things you guys kind of requested a little bit more for me to finish the season as I mentioned earlier in the show and I really wanted to provide a service that, you know, isn't really given anywhere else. You guys, if you're playing Dynasty, if you're in Keepers, if you're in ac to C2C league, you already know a lot of, you know, the five stars that are sitting on benches, places, the, you know, the top freshmen from this past year that went to Power 5 schools and everything like that. You guys are aware of all those names. So... I'm going to help you guys out and we're going to focus solely on G5 guys here because this is where I found a lot of success. I kept myself, I gave myself a rule that I wasn't going to talk about anybody um, that was greater than 5% owned on rosters because that tells me that these guys are available literally everywhere and you can pretty much get them for free anywhere. And so we'll get right into that after I get myself a sip of water here. Okay. <clears throat> Let's get right to it. We're going to start with quarterbacks. I got three quarterbacks here that I am going to throw out to you guys. We'll start with JC French, the quarterback out of Georgia Southern. He has 4 years of eligibility remaining, at, or excuse me, 3 years of eligibility remaining um not including this year. So after this year he can play for another 3 years. He is a redshirt freshman, I believe this year he is sitting there behind davis brin davis brin is out of eligibility after this year unless something crazy like a Frey caris situation goes on there brin is done after this year and we've already seen jc french getting some run with the eagles this year especially this past week i noticed this a ton where they gave him tons of packages against the panthers defense there he hasn't been horrible when he's been out there he's 11 for 12 for 83 yards um, he can rush a little bit as well. This is kind of the dynamic that he can bring that Davis Brin isn't really, you know, strong in. Davis Brin is not much of a runner there. French could be a really, really fun play for you next year if Brian Ellis and Clay Helton stay there at Georgia Southern. He can throw the ball pretty well. And again, he has that added additional element of rushing the ball as well. If that offense keeps going next year and they're still scoring 40 points a game and you got a dual threat quarterback in there, and you can basically get them for free right now. What are you waiting on? One thing again, I'll, I'll throw out real quick is that like, I could talk about all these guys. I can, this is where the uncertainty of college fantasy gets into. For those of you who don't remember, just even this past offseason, so much changes. I can tell you guys right now, half the guys on this list that I'm going to give you here today, I'm going to give you a path to CFF relevance that's going to sound great. It's going to sound amazing, and it's all going to fall apart by February. That's just what's going to happen. It's gonna be the, it's it's part of the reason why every one of these guys, if you go and pick them up for your Dynasty roster right now, they're all a roll of a dice. You just have to keep that in mind moving forward. It's part of the game, especially with how much the Transfer Portal is going to be involved for the next several months. You just got to keep that in mind. I uh, just want to throw that out there real quick. I forgot to say that to start the segment here anyway let's talk about another quarterback here jay butterfield quarterback at a san jose state roster on two percent of leagues he's got two years of eligibility remaining after this year this is the former oregon quarterback for those of you remember him there had himself you know um you probably remember him mostly from some of the oregon spring games where he looked pretty solid kind of battling between him and ty thompson to sit behind bo nicks uh last year and Butterfield saw the writing on the wall, kind of realized that, well, it's either going to be, especially once, especially once Bo Nix came back for another year, Butterfield was not sitting around for another year over there without a clear path to starting. Again, Ty Thompson's clearly been involved, but Austin Novasad coming in to Oregon with the connections he has with Will Stein, probably going to see, again, Butterfield saw the writing on the wall, realized I'm never going to start here. So he's going to San Jose State where she- Shea Cordero one year of eligibility remaining. That is this year. He is done after this year. Butterfield's a clear number two there. He's um, already had some runs so far this year a little bit. Has looked pretty solid in the limited action that we've seen him there. I think that as much as I love having Cordero in San Jose, I think Butterfield is going to be able to provide the passing attack element that the Spartans have really kind of been missing the last couple of years. Um, obviously, Elijah Cooks was really good last year, but he, again, he was kind of performing well in spite of the passing game rather than because of it. Everybody else was kind of a mosh pit behind him. And then this year, it's been a mosh pit in terms of the receiving game. Chevon Sh- Cordero has been kind of very up and down with his game in terms of the passing game. So San Jose State has clearly... Turn to the running game. Kyrie Robinson, Quali Conley have been absolutely phenomenal, which again, side note, Quali Conley, way too much rostered right now for me to have put him on this for, uh, as a dynasty grab. But if you're in a dynasty league and he is still available, he's clearly one of the most important guys you can grab right now. Just look at Kyrie Robinson's doing this year. And now imagine if there wasn't somebody else there to take touches away from him. I think Conley could absolutely be in Justin's word where a volume pick next year. Anyway, back to Butterfield. Butterfield will bring back that passing element to this offense. We saw a couple of years ago during the COVID year. I can't remember the quarterback's name off the top of my head, but when they have a passing element to them, not only will the quarterback do well there, but also they produce several great wide receivers there. Pretty much every single one of the wide receivers for San Jose State can come back next year. I think they'll benefit greatly from having Butterfield next year. And again, he's basically free right now. I would grab him, stick him on your roster, see what happens. Maybe San Jose State goes and grabs another quarterback out of the transfer portal, but I really don't see them doing that because they already did that with Butterfield. Butterfield was brought in to be the backup here. He's a former Power Five quarterback. I think he's going to be the guy they roll with moving forward. Last quarterback here Giovanni Lopez, the quarterback out of South Alabama, rostered on 0% of leagues. Currently, after this year, he will have four years of eligibility remaining that might change over the next couple of weeks as poor Carter Bradley went down with an ankle injury or excuse me, not an ankle injury and knee injury this past week against UL Lafayette. And there's a possibility we see Lopez start for, um, there's a possibility we see Lopez start for South Alabama this upcoming weekend against Troy, which that's a very unfortunate first start for any true freshman quarterback. Um, but again, if Carter Bradley is out for the rest of the season, or even just an extended period of the next couple of weeks, we'll get a good look at what Lopez is going to look like over the next couple of weeks. He is a guy this staff has been super, super high on throughout this entire year. He has shown in the limited action we've seen that he is willing to run, which is a huge bonus for this offense. They are going to lose with Damian Webb next year. And so there's a possibility that they're going to need their quarterback to step up in the run game a little bit more there. They got Pritchett coming back next year. Colin Lacey can technically come back next year as well. So he'll have some weapons around him. I think that Lopez, given how much of an impact he has made for this team early on, that they are going to, I think he's going to be better than what Carter Bradley has been able to provide for the Jaguars last couple of years. Again, you're probably listening to me this whole time being like, Jared, I knew we were going to talk about G5 guys, but like really South Alabama quarterback, that's where we're going. Anytime that somebody is making this much of an impact in their true freshman year, it's somebody I'm keeping an eye on. And it is something I've noticed over the years that when guys make impacts in their true freshman year, more times, out like like I'd say more than like seven times out of 10, they're going to be guys who either obviously they make an impact down the line but they will step up more than what you're used to out of that position for that school. So that's kind of the that's kind of the thought line of thought I am going with Lopez here and why I'm putting him out here as a guy you can grab for free right now in CFF Dynasty or C2C leagues if you're looking for some production next year. All right. Let's go talk about some running backs here. This is where it gets a little bit more fun. There's there are some really, really fun names that, again, you can get for basically for free out there. Of course, I will talk some uh, Or, Oh, my goodness. I can't speak. I should take a sip of water. That's what I should do. Because that was what I was trying to say before I completely tripped over and twisted my tongue like a dummy. Anyway, running backs here. Again, some really, really fun names on this list. The first of which is Kentro Bullock, the running back out of South Alabama, rostered on 1% of leagues right now. But Damian Webb's done after this year. He's an old dude. He is. He's had himself a really nice run this last or last couple of years, but he will be done after this year. And Bullock is that guy that the staff was raving about before the start of the season. And to start the year... Bullock was giving Webb a run for his money. He was getting double digit carries to start the season. then he gets banged up unfortunately. Webb seniority kind of takes over from there. Webb starts looking better as the season goes on. Bullock kind of fades a little bit, but I think that this staff is ready to really ride Bullock next year, kind of as a reverse to what I was talking about with Lopez just a second ago with Webb gone. And a new starter at quarterback, there's a possibility that Bullock could be really heavily relied upon here. Because, again, maybe they run Lopez a little bit more than they had with Bradley last couple of years. But even still, like, if Lopez is going to be your guy for the next couple of years, you're going to want to protect him as much as you can. So Bullock will be that guy that kind of gets you know, all the carries, gets that volume, should be looking good. He's a power five transfer from Old Miss, for those of you who don't remember. So this is a guy, this is a potential big fish, small pond scenario here that kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people here. He's got some pretty decent PPR value, 14 targets this year. as just the RB2. Meanwhile, Webb had only 17. So clearly, like Bullock is a guy that they might even pass to more next year than they did with Webb this year. So I am... Loving the possibility of Bullock over the next couple of years. And he's got two years of eligibility after this point. So, like, that is a guy that if he is LeDamian Webb, that'll anchor your running back options for the next two years. And he is rostered on 1% of leagues right now. So, he is available in a ton of the Dynasty leagues, C2C leagues right now. I would go and try to grab him, if not for free, for a pretty low price this week. Another guy we can go after here, Isaiah Jacobs, the running back out of UAB, had himself a pretty solid start to the year, unfortunately, got injured out for the rest of the year, but he was the 1B to Jermaine Brown's 1A, if not the 1A to Jermaine Brown's 1B at times to start the year. Those two were clearly separated from the rest of the pack, Jermaine Brown had a ton of experience with his UAB program, but Jacobs was the guy coming from the Power 5, for those of you who don't remember, this is the guy that transferred in from maryland or was at maryland went to juco came back to uab he's got some talent behind him he is he's in a guy that again if you follow last chance university this he's very much in a last chance university kind of scenario here he is a guy that was producing super well for the blazers early on in the year when jacobs went down the staff didn't try to kind of shoe in someone into Jacobs' role. Brown just became the bell cow at that point. They clearly, clearly see a huge gap between Jacobs and Brown versus the rest of what they have in that running back group. That tells me that when it's Jacobs next year, yeah, they might have some guys behind him, like, you know, a Lee Witherspoon, guys like that, that'll get involved. This feels like it's going to be very similar to what Notre Dame was this year, where are kind of starting out, you're like, okay, maybe Audric SMA, like, yeah, like... He's going to be the number one guy, but maybe the other guys get too involved. And maybe it's like a, you know, a committee situation where like, you know, SMA startable, but he's not really like that main guy. No, turns out SMA is that main guy, even though the other running backs were getting pretty heavily involved. I think that'll be Jacobs next year. I think it'll be clearly Jacobs is the number one guy and then a mosh pit behind him. That get, you know, they get plenty of run there, but this is also an offense that runs a ton of plays per week. I believe that Jacobs will be a phenomenal pick next year. Get you some value right now. Again, especially... Honestly, you could probably... If he, if he is rostered in a league right now, I would go and try to trade him while he's injured. Like, maybe try to get... like See if the person who has him already is, you know, a little concerned about what he looks like coming back from the injury. He's a guy I'm willing to roll the dice on. He looked great to start the year. All right. The next three guys are all fun, fun players to think about here. They are also all three assuming that the guy ahead of them goes off to the NFL draft, which granted the way running backs have gone the last couple of years, they have mostly just moved on to the NFL. They are guys that have mostly, or again, running backs have basically been taught, like go to the NFL, get your contract, get your money. You only got so much tread on the tires and everything. So if guys like Nate Noel, Marcus Carroll, um, Kamani Vidal, they plan on getting that, getting that bag. This will probably be the year for them to go and get it there. But again, there's a chance they could come back. So these next three guys, go and grab them because, you know, the potential of them being the number one guys in their backfield next year is too much to pass up on. But just kind of keep in mind that every single one of them has potential to have their other guy come back here. So we'll start with Kanye Roberts, the running back at Appalachian State. Again, this is assuming that Nate Noel is out of the picture here. He looked pretty solid this past week with Nate Noel kind of being nursed back in and everything like that. Um, We know that this Appalachian State team is perfectly okay to have a bell cow back here. Given what we've seen with Nate Noel over the last couple of years, Connie Roberts is a pretty talented dude. I believe he's a three-star running back coming out of high school. He has been heavily involved since the moment he stepped onto campus here. If Nate Noel is out of the picture next year, I truly believe that Kanye Roberts will be the next guy at Appalachian State there, and given what Nate Noel was doing to start the year in terms of the volume that he was getting, Roberts might be that next dude right there, so I would go and grab him. He's got three years of eligibility after this year, so if we're right, you can go grab him for right now and ride the Appalachian State RB1 for the next couple of years. That feels pretty good. I don't know about you guys. Another one we can go through here, KZ Adams running back at a Georgia State roster on 3% of rosters. This is another dude. To start the season, we assumed this was going to be a a committee. We could be because of how much praise was being heaped on not just Marcus Carroll, but KZ Adams as well. A lot of people were talking about like it's going to be Marcus Carroll and KZ Adams. They're going to be the Chubb and Michelle of Georgia State and everything. They're both going to get super involved, and we just haven't seen that much of KZ Adams this year. But it also tells me, just given how much praise there has been for both of them, that Carroll is going to be like if he's gone next year, Adams is clearly that next guy up. He had himself a phenomenal bowl game to um he had himself a phenomenal bowl game in the spring. Obviously that didn't translate to this year, but it tells me that again, we saw the flashes. We saw like when Adams is gonna be truly unleashed, he will be phenomenal for um Georgia State. Um, they're going to be replacing their starting quarterback next year. So I think Casey Adams, given how much he has meant to this program so far and what how much praise they've heaped on him, sounds like that they could be easily relying on him a ton next year. Georgia State's always been very good at rushing the football. If that is true and Carroll doesn't come back, Adams takes over next year, got three years of eligibility here. If Adams stays all three of those years, you're going to love the deal you can get on him right now. I really don't know... I don't know what to I don't know what to say. Last one here again, very similar to the other two, Damian Taylor, the running back out of Troy. Once again, assuming Kamani Vidal is out of the picture, he has been the clear number 2 back for Troy this past year behind Vidal. If Vidal's gone, Taylor seems like your next guy up right there. He's got 2 years left of eligibility, very good size, um, very good efficiency for the most part there's really not much to say. It's pretty much the same exact scenario as Kanye Roberts, Casey Adams. If the guy ahead of him goes, you will want to have already had this guy in your roster because the moment, if you're in a dynasty league or a C2C league and everything like that, the moment that you find out that Carol's going, Nate, Noel's going, or any of these guys are going, the value on these guys is going to shoot way, way up. You're going to want to get ahead of that curve. So go check those guys out. All right. Last question here or Not last question, excuse me, last group here is some wide receivers this was this was probably the most fun I had researching some up and coming g five guys here and found some really good ones here, and then the last one is like a super super deep one i'm I'm just kind of calling my shot there um but you know that's what's fun this is that the, again I kind of miss this part of c f f where like you know I can call my shots on a week by week basis, but man, like once you get into the off season, you really start. Digging into teams, kind of figuring out like who's coming back, who's not, who could possibly step up. A lot of fun. I, I, I kind of miss this a little bit. Anyway, let me take a sip of water, and we'll get right to these guys, and we'll finish up here. First one here is probably a name some of you have probably heard a couple of times already through this offseason, but he's only rostered on 3% of rosters, so clearly not enough of you have heard about him. Devin McEwen, the wide receiver out of UTSA. We all thought going into this season that if there was going to be a true freshman wide receiver that steps up for UTSA, kind of fills that hole that was left behind by Zachary Franklin and Dakari and Clark, who's injured, it was going to be a, it was going to be David Amador. David Amador was a three star true freshman coming in. Tons of great praise for him. He was put on the freak list both at campus of Canton and. Um, 247's freak list right there. It is some like a lot of people were buying into him. But nope. Turns out Devin McEwen is the guy that really takes advantage of that void. And he has been super involved for the Roadrunners this year. He is second on the team in targets. He is top eight amongst all true freshmen in targets right there. You will see a ton of targets vacated after this year. I mean Joshua Seevas is done after this year. Again, it's it's unfortunate because I like him a lot, but like he's out of eligibility after this year. That's freeing up, at least up to this point, at least 50 targets. To finish the year, you're probably talking like, I don't know, assuming you're seeing like eight targets per game. You're pro- you're 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 freeing up 80 targets in this offense right there. McEwen already is the wide receiver too. Now, obviously, you're gonna contend with DeCorey and Clark next year. But there's no guarantee that Clark heals properly unfortunately again give like we were told that Clark was going to be good at the start of the year now we may not see him at all this year. That's a huge red flag to me in terms of what we got. If Clark is going up super high next year, I'm probably going to wait wait a little bit and grab McEwen later on. I think he might be the guy that could really, really benefit next year, take that next step next next step next year for the Roadrunners. but this also all depends highly on how do you feel about UTSA moving forward because they're going to be without Frey Harris this next upcoming year we can all agree that their offensive coordinator this year is probably the worst offensive coordinator they've had over the last couple of years which isn't you know saying much like they've had some incredible offensive coordinators that have come through there but at the same time it's a lot of change and you know Eddie Lee Marburger or whoever ends up starting there at quarterback could be an absolute bust and this could be all for naught, but you know, UTSA has shown that they have the offense to support at least one wide receiver. Now, again, obviously we want the UTSA offense of old where they had three wide receivers. That could be great for you on any given fantasy week right there. But when you have an offense like you had this year where, you know, it's clearly Cephas' number one guy, Devin McHugh might be that guy next year. So I had to go ahead and try to grab him now. Next guy up here, speaking of offenses that you're really not sure how to feel moving forward about, Chase so the wide receiver out of east carolina redshirt freshman here rostered on two percent of teams we've seen what this offense looks like with the pirates when they get going guys like isaiah winsett and cj johnson were both pretty valuable cff options over the last couple of years really more than anything the pirates just really need to figure out their quarterback position as a redshirt freshman here soul is second on the teams in targets and he's going to see a ton of vacated targets next year both Jalen Johnson and Josiah Hatfield will be gone after this year that's the number one and number three target on the team you'll also see Shane Calhoun leave this year so that's even more targets opening up right there obviously not all of these are going to go to Chase Sowell but at the same time, like you got a guy that's breaking out pretty early on here. This is an offense that, you know, it's starting to find itself a little bit again. I think once they kind of settle in maybe with Alex Flynn moving forward as their quarterback, they can really kind of take that next step with this offense. But again, I like Sam moving forward. I'm probably going to take a shot on him in a couple of dynasty leagues where he is still available given like how much he's doing at such such a young age compared to the other wide receivers around him. But again, I totally understand if you're probably listening to me right now being like, Jared, I don't want to hear about an East Carolina player. I don't want to hear about an East Carolina player. I get it. It's hard to gauge what the stock of this program is moving forward. But again, I've seen what this offense looks like when it gets going. And quite frankly, I'm going to want soul when that happens. So another guy we can talk about here, Dalen Cobb, wide receiver out of Georgia Southern. We know the everybody knows the Georgia Southern offense. Like we talked about uh, JC French already about how he's probably the next guy up there. It's an air raid offense. Really as long as Clay Helton and Brian Ellis are there, they're going to be running an air raid offense as much as they can. I doubt Brian Ellis is still there. I have a feeling he's going to be hired uh, to a bigger job going into next year, but you know, crazier things have happened, but even so like it's going to be an air raid system. You are going to see both Caleb Hood and Anthony Queeley out of eligibility after this year. And Dalen Cobb still has another two years after this year. He'll be starting there in the... He's currently in the H spot in this offense, which for those of you who don't know, that's pretty much the opposite side of the Y spot, which is, you know, two inside wide receivers. Guess who's the other inside wide receiver for this offense? Caleb Hood. Caleb Hood's gone. He's been the target hog for this offense so far this year. If that is where these quarterbacks are trained to look early and often for this system... I feel like Dalen Cobb is going to be in for an incredible year moving forward again as long as they continue to run the system and things just don't completely fall apart. They're already getting some plenty of work with JC French out there. There's clearly some connection building already there. I feel like Dalen Cobb, grab him now, grab him while he's cheap. He is available in literally every league according to FanTrack. So I again, if you're if if you got the spots on your roster, drop a few busts Go and take a shot on a guy like Dalen Kopp. Another guy we could look at here, Micah Davis, wide receiver out of Utah State, rostered on 3% of rosters. I already mentioned earlier this year when Jalen Royals was first coming onto the scene that he is probably he was probably one of the most important dynasty pickups earlier this year when he was first arising because, you know, Terrell Vaughn's out of eligibility after this year. Royals is not good enough to go to the NFL. Most of the Blake Anderson wide receivers have not been good enough to go to the NFL. They feel like the, you know it's a cheap offensive system. And so, he's still, I still maintain he is the number one guy for this offense moving forward after this year. Clearly, he's a top 10 wide receiver for this year. I can't remember off the top of my head how much he dropped after the bye week this week, but he's still clearly a top 10 wide receiver for this year. Who's the number two? Because we're finding out this year that this offense can support two fantasy-relevant wide receivers at the same time, which is not really something we've seen before with Blake Anderson. But given how much they've had to pass, how much more they have to pass in the Mountain West as compared to years past, and with them having a nasty habit of falling behind earlier in games, they are kind of funneling to just a couple of guys. And the third guy in that funnel is Micah Davis. We've seen over the last couple of weeks that Micah Davis, while clearly the third option, is still a guy that gets consistently involved each and every week. With Terrell Vaughn going off next year, Davis will be the clear number two guy coming back next year. And if, God forbid, anything happens to Royals, Davis is going to be huge. He's an explosive playmaker. He's a dude that plays well on the outside there that is Again, as much as I tied Terrell Vaughn and how much like you know Blake Anderson values experience in the wide receiver position, a lot of times those, guys, those dudes are outside wide receivers. And if Davis continues to perform as well as he has over the last couple of weeks here, I think that he is a guy that you can get really, really cheap for a potential monster season next year in the same way that you could have gotten Terrell Vaughn just a couple of seasons ago. All right, last wide receiver we're going to throw out here. This one's going to be one I don't think... Ninety-five percent of you have heard of. I'm gonna go. Landon Sides, wide receiver out of North Texas, rostered on zero percent of rosters. He was a true freshman this year. He's a four, he's a three-star wide receiver coming into this um season for the Mean Green. He has seen twenty-nine targets so far this year, and assuming that Eric Morris doesn't jump uh jump ship again, this is gonna be an offense I want to invest in moving forward. Jay Macklin's gonna be around for a while, assuming that he uses all of his years of eligibility left. I believe he still has two more years after this year, which is kind of crazy to me. I feel like Macklin's been around forever, but that, that's at least what we got. That, that's at least what we have at the C 2 C winning edge um, listed for him. And so, but you got other guys there who are going to be out after this year. You're going to see Burns gone. Uh, Damon Ward will be out after this year. There's going to be some opportunity in this receiving room. And as a true freshman, Sides is fifth on the team in receptions. Like he is a dude that is getting pretty involved and he is catching the balls that come his way. As I mentioned earlier, when guys get this involved as a true freshman it piques my interest a little bit. It is a clear indication they want these guys out there on the field, and they are going, like, it's not just that they're running routes. They're not out there just making sure that, you know, the top scorers can get open and stuff like that. No, they are throwing to land sides here. And so, yes, you have some other guys to kind of work through there between Trey Cleveland and Smart, uh, the other wide receiver there. To really kind of break into that starting lineup. But if he is already kind of neck and neck with those guys for the most part, and he's a true freshman, I have no doubt with another year of offseason reps and everything like that, I fully anticipate that sides could make that next step into this next year and provide a really good wide receiver, too, along with Jay Macklin there. And with a year or two for this system and Eric Morris there, get Chandler Rogers to come back for another year. I believe he has another year of eligibility. That's something that I should check. Um, you get the experience at quarterback. They know how to run the system. I think Sides could be in for a really, really good year. That's a system that in the past has been able to support two wide receivers there. And so, again, it's, it's a guy who's completely off the radar in most places. Most of you are probably wondering how to spell this name. Again, Landon Sides. I Again, it's me shooting my shot, but it's a guy that while I was doing research for this, he piqued my interest. I saw that he was among the top 20 true freshman wide receivers in terms of number of targets this year. And so I was like, you know what? This is a system I want to invest in in the future. He's clearly getting involved now. No guarantees here, but I like what he's done early on, and I'm willing to invest in it. All right. Uh, Two more I'll throw out here. This is just real quick. Uh Chris uh Brazell, the wide receiver at of two lane. I was gonna throw him on this list. I just wasn't exactly sure how much I wanna trust a two lane wide receiver moving forward. And then the other guy here, um, Malik Phillips, wide receiver at of Sam Houston. Obviously Noah Smart has or uh uh Noah Short, excuse me. Noah's uh short has been phenomenal for the Bearcats this year, especially in the latter half of the season here. But Malik Phillips has been the clear number two guys there, and excuse me, sorry. I got, I got somebody making a lot of noise in our Slack right now, and I need to pause it for a second. There we go. Anyway, Malik Phillips, I would have put him on here as well because he's a clear number two guy, and Noah, Noah Short will be gone after this year. And the only reason I was a little hesitant is because I, there's still so much I don't know about Sam Houston. Is, it, is Noah Short doing well because that's, he's just that good compared to the rest of the wide receiver room? Is it because he's in the slot? Or I don't know. There's a lot I don't know there, so I didn't want to throw them out there, but we'll throw the name out there real quick for you guys. Just to be like, you know, if you got the extra spot, go grab Malik Phillips and just hope that maybe he could be Noah Short to start the year next year. Alrighty, I have talked long enough. This show has gone a little bit longer than I was expecting, but that is okay. I had a fun time talking to you guys about some of these future stars for CFF. In the middle of the season here, a little bit of a break in terms of what we normally talk about for this show. But for now, I will appreciate all of you for listening and coming onto the show. Again, like I mentioned at the start of the show, we're getting ready for our playoff matchups. It's a little bit difficult, more difficult to run in and grab waiver wire guys, so really I would suggest more than anything else, like, trust the teams you have built so far this year look look at the guys that you have make sure that you know don't go running and grabbing a waiver wire guy unless you truly truly feel like that you have no other choice with some of those uh, matchups in the next couple of weeks and then in addition just to throw in a couple more things or one more thing out Again, that Jason Daddy account, go check that out. It has the pinned tweet containing the survey, helping us improve the show. As you guys can see, I'm starting to take some of that in here. Again, I'm not going to do a Dynasty segment every single week to finish the season here. This is more about me, you know, just being interested in it this week. As I was was doing research for the shows, getting ready for the week and everything, I was like, huh, I really should start looking into some of these G5 guys and see if there's anybody that's kind of clear next guys up. And I feel like I found a pretty good amount of options there that you guys can mull over the next couple of weeks while you can still pick up guys off the waiver wire. Anyway, really appreciate you guys listening. Again, we got a couple of awesome weeks coming up here, and we will ride it all together. Until then, appreciate you guys, and hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed week. See y'all.